0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Hot Takes, the Story Screen Presents podcast where we watch new movies when we can and talk about them on the microphone with you, the listener. We see the movie, we have the, the idea percolating in our mind, we go immediately to some apparatus that can re- record the things we say out of our face and then you guys get to hear it. That's what all podcasts are, right? That's what I think. My name is Robbie Anderson, I'm your host for today and I'm joined by Mike Burge. Hello! Hey, Mike, you uh, you look very comfy. Oh, this is, this is comfy mode. I am...
1: Yeah. This is going to be a nice, relaxing episode. I got a lot of stressful stuff to talk about, so I am going to be
0: as chill as possible to not chill. sound like a lunatic. Well, that's good, because... Uh, yeah, I want you to be chill. I want you to be a nice, chill boy. It's going to be a uh, great
1: episode. We're off to a great start.
0: It's going to be good. Yeah. So today uh, we are talking about a documentary uh, called Netflix versus the world, a David and Goliath like story about how Netflix overcame all adversity and became what it is today and defeated Blockbuster uh, and you can rent it on Amazon Prime of all it's places not, uh, of all places. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Burge, what's your hot take on Amazon uh, Netflix versus the world?
1: Uh, it's a pretty alright documentary. It's pretty standard. There's not too much, uh, great stuff to it. Uh, I like the animation, which I'd imagine you do as well.
0: I actually thought the animation was kind of just okay.
1: But you liked it.
0: I didn't hate it. Well, obviously. Uh, obviously.
1: But, uh, yeah, I I think it's, as someone who kind of works inside the independent exhibition biz. It's very... There's, like, extra interest in it for me. And even then, I was only, you know, kind of vaguely interested. So, I can't imagine this movie is really, like, hitting it off with a lot of people. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think it's one of those documentaries that you're very much, like... It's a long YouTube video, really. it's You know, like, what I mean? Like, your interests... You're already interested in it before you start. That's why you started it. So it's just kind of kind of feed on that. But it doesn't really give you any big wow moments like some documentaries can. It's
0: more just kind of like a yeah. here are the facts. Here's what's up. There's no controversy or th- moment that recontextualizes like what Netflix is or like how Netflix operates. Like, you know, what what you see is what you get with the documentary. I, I enjoyed like the ride of it. I, you know... For me, it felt, like, nostalgic, just like, oh, yeah, I, like, you know, I was one of the DVD guys uh, who had Netflix, and I was into that. But, yeah, I didn't think, um, yeah, the the documentary lacks impact, which is kind of, like, Mm -hmm. you know, the the negative I have about it. But it was fine.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, my whole thing is, like, I'm watching it, and I... You know, I, uh, I, I, I'm interested in this stuff because it's like my job, and it's my. I, I was fairly like, um, I'm trying to. Uh, maybe I'm too
0: chill right now.
1: I don't know. Maybe you're. Too maybe chill. I, I'll, 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 I'll stop having my feet up on this amp, and I'll sit up straight. Maybe it looks. You
0: look like sleepy. almost. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. Uh, know, there you go. Yeah, yeah like I, I'm me personally watching this documentary i was aware going in of a lot of like where netflix came from their battles with blockbuster uh i was more interested in the kind of streaming stuff that would happen uh in more recent times which is only touched on in like the last 20 minutes of the movie which again totally
0: cool yeah i was going to say i i started getting really dialed in uh towards the end of the movie when they start talking about, like, films and the way that, like, films yeah. and creators are, like, impacted. I'm, like, oh, like I'm, in- I'm into this. I was into, like, the earlier part of it as well. Like, I was oh, yeah. into, like, you know, I-, I didn't realize, like, how... Like, for me, like, Netflix existed uh, only in its beginning form of, like... You're getting the DVDs and, like, the nice Netflix envelopes. They just started to do... Because I think I started subscribing to them in 2009. Mm -hmm. So, at that point, we're on the, like, the streaming service, like, just either started or they're doing, like, the download feature or Mm -hmm. things like that. But it was still, like, very separate and confusing.
1: Yeah. Well, Um, and then they have that great thing with Quickster where they tried to separate them.
0: Yeah, that's just a nightmare. It's,
1: It's so funny to me when I still realize that people with the Netflix plans that like they get the things sent to them still. Like they have the streaming and yeah. the physical and I'm like,
0: all right. Yeah. I think I still have a Netflix aviator copy. Oh, wow. That's a good, I never. I never turned back.
1: That's a great one. I, I, I yeah. still have uh, I cause I thought I had lost them and then I found them in a move. Uh, I have um, sympathy for Mr. Vengeance and lady vengeance. The uh, first two installments of the old boy, like vengeance trilogy
0: what um you know the the film discusses you, we can't really spoil the movie so you know this will just be we'll hit, take a break at some point in the podcast and keep talking but uh what is your like relationship with like video rental services like when like you know eventually when did you start hearing about Netflix and you know I know that you're a Netflix subscriber now but like what where is your You're beginning with uh, video rental services like Blockbuster or otherwise. What's your history with that?
1: Uh, I pretty much started getting it in about 2008, 2009 when I came back to the States from being uh, stationed over in Japan for a few years. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wasn't really that familiar with it. And then all of a sudden, you know, it was a thing that, you know, one of the cool things about like military is it's a lot like a college uh, where it's kind of like things get around and it's just like, oh, there's this thing happening and blah, blah, blah. Maybe you haven't heard of it. And by that point, obviously, Netflix had been around for quite some time, but I had never it had never fallen on my radar. And being someone who really likes movies, I immediately jumped at it. But it's one of those situations where it's like, you know, my queue had like 800 things in it at any given time yeah. because that was the most entertaining thing in the world is going through and putting things in my cart that I'm not actually buying. It was
0: like a game to the queue. Yes, that was like a lot of fun. Yeah,
1: and that's like you know I did that, and I found that process way better with something like GameFly, which I really loved until they, they yeah. they, you're ca- like a, they kicked you're me off. You're like out. a
0: Game, you're like a GameFly dude. Like you've always been an advocate for GameFly as long as I've known you.
1: I mean, it, it just makes sense because you know you you <laughs> get it, and then you play it, yeah. and then you send it back. But I think like things like that are gonna stop because aren't they doing like they're gonna be encoding. Discs and stuff, so they can only be downloaded once to like one station, so that people can't share games.
0: Uh, they've been saying that even when like the last consoles came out, and then fan backlash reversed it. So you know the the the, the game the game industry at large trying to cannibalize the reselling of game industry or market uh has never worked before. We will see if it works now. Yeah, um, I mean, gamer, if they, if gamers they are kind of notoriously uh. They don't like the rules. they a little but they nasty. really hate when they're broke. They're, they're assholes. They're pieces of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be the first to say it. I, I video game hard every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, Mike, where, where do you... Like, what's your relationship with, like, Blockbuster? Like, what's your, like... I wanted to work at Blockbuster forever.
1: Like, anyone else my age that likes movies. That was, like, the goal, the dream. You could never get in because they had, like, a set amount of people and... By that point, they were already still kind of going under. One of my favorite things about this documentary is the inarguably high level of bullshit all of these blockbuster people are attempting to spin in this. So, like, I lived through it. I was reading about it. And in becoming an independent exhibitor, I have done research just, like, into different things and steps because I personally am trying to break the next big thing with movie theaters and you know, we have the space and I'm trying to figure out exactly what it is that can do that. Uh, and it's going to take a while. Somebody will probably beat me to it. You know, me Never and you happened. have talked about for, you know, almost a year now uh, trying to create some kind of a streaming channel directly through our theaters site. Um, and Which we have accomplished to a certain extent. To a certain extent we've accomplished and we're starting to work it out with studios and stuff like that. And I've been talking with studios about doing it for over a year now and, uh, you know, Alamo Drafthouse, those fucking awesome guys, uh, they created their own streaming service that just launched like a couple days ago. Um, so it's like, you know, it's all about being able to try and get to these big things when we don't have the um, the monetary backing that a lot of these big guys do. Uh, And so it's really funny when Blockbuster tries to present themselves as the little dog going after the big dog Netflix when it was in complete reverse just a few years beforehand. And the fact that Netflix was like, hey, well, like, why don't we just merge like and we'll be your online thing? And they said, absolutely not. Like these are parts of the story that are true where Blockbuster were a bunch of dicks because they didn't think Netflix was anything and it was just going to fall apart. They got scared. They straight up ripped Apes. off yeah. their shit. And the words that they use, like they're not hiding it, but they're also trying to pretend like it's not a big deal, you know? Where it's like, it's that kind of Fox News fakery where you're just kind of like, just say the blunt truth. And even though it's something that should disgust people and be obvious that you're lying, just They'll re- respect your honesty. Just yeah. really go into it and
0: act like there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea is that like they... You know, they're like, well, everyone does this in like, you know, competitive like corporate settings. And that that's the thing about like Blockbuster presented in this documentary that like disgusted me. So because I'm so like, um you know, I, I, I've i worked for only one major corporation in my life, like one like multi-billion dollar corporation. And uh and I was uh, at the lowest level of, of peon in it. It was at a, a pretty famous coffee shop chain that you may have heard of. Uh, And I fucking hated it and like I hate corporate speak. It like makes me like squirm and want to die. I hate like the passive language that's used there and I hate like I hate everything about it. Like I'm not into it and just seeing like all these blockbuster people just talking this way and spew and spew this game and just be like, you know, but they they were like you know pushed against the rope so they're like we have to adapt and figure it out but they kind of they fuck themselves over yes. in the long run anyway because of their incompetency. The biggest and that's thing why I thought the documentary was, yeah yeah the yeah. biggest that was like, interesting
1: yeah the biggest thing with blockbuster is that they are dicks and they are insanely incompetent the reason mm. blockbuster became so big is because as they kind of briefly touch on which i wish they went into a little bit more but this is a netflix documentary not a blockbuster documentary they give you right. the basic facts that you need about video rental and how blockbuster played in that they touch on it very briefly that blockbuster was this brand uh this dude bought it and he just started buying up uh video rental venues and turning them into blockbusters and he just kept doing it and kept doing it and just kept being like you have to brand the hell out of it expand the hell out of it get eight thousand uh stores all across america and just keep going for it and the big thing was family friendly so this was they had two good ideas you take a video rental idea and you create a national brand off of it yeah. one thing something that everybody can connect with they picked some really good colors in that as well so like the branding was the one thing that they did they took their product and they branded it absolutely amazingly well there's a reason why story screens name badges are an homage to the name badges of blockbuster because they they really just did have this awesome this feeling of like we know what this is going to feel like 10 years from now so we need to make it look cool now and we made we need to make it look retro cool in 10 or 20 years and it all works perfectly they just went out of business and the other thing that they did really well is they did the family friendly thing which no other video rental uh place or even theaters were really doing they were like we are straight up family friendly they had no porn here some nope. did have like some weird back rooms and stuff but that was never you know company mandated that was independent operations because blockbuster is run like any other major big chain. yeah they're franchise. they yeah. got a local manager that runs that thing pretty much can do whatever they want as long as they follow simple guidelines um that's how they got big and they were the ones that were able to get there not necessarily first but they took other people's ideas and turn them into the best possible version of it. And because they had the money to do it, they were able to be successful. They faked it till they made it and then they got it. And then here comes this other company that's trying to do a brand new thing all on their own, trying to utilize certain things that they learned from Blockbuster, but being upfront about it and being like, hey, we learned a lot from you guys. You guys want what we want. We have an alternate version. Let's get together. And Blockbuster laughed in their faces notoriously. Like, However this movie presents netflix's versions of events or blockbuster's versions of events and the contradicting and similarities it was very well known that blockbuster was like fuck you you guys are nobody uh this is not going to work and as soon as they saw it was going to work they stole everything that they possibly had and they like netflix wanted to bring down blockbuster and they weren't coy about it and then blockbuster yes. wanted to bring down netflix and the little guy won, and it's it's really funny. My favorite part was just like the three dudes, the three or four dudes that they're interviewing from Blockbuster, who are just trying to hindsight change the reality of history by being like, "Yeah, we were against the ropes. We didn't know what to do." And it's like you—that's called you going out of business because you fucked up. It's not against yeah, cause the ropes because you guys yeah.
0: are fucking. I mean, like you know, the interesting thing about the documentary, which I didn't realize, because. Because they touch on how like the conversation around it, like to everyone else, is that like blockbuster is going down. But there was like a an intermediate period, like a like a middle period, where you know blockbuster did have a larger subscriber base, and it's when the CD the CEO changed was the final nail in the coffin. Because the CEO was just like, well, we're this amount in debt, and we're worth this much, so why don't we just throw this shit out the window and just be done with it. And like, you know, they were, but they were in the lead at that point, which I thought was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, they, cause they were, um, and it goes back playing, to their incompetence. Yeah. They know? were,
1: they were playing, they were playing like uh, dark economics. They were like, what are our yeah. competitors doing? Do $2 cheaper. And they, they literally right. say it as if it's a positive thing. It's not a way to run a business. It's a way that you can become successful briefly, but it's mainly a way to be able to, um, take over power uh, economically and in the stocks from a company that has already been providing the exact thing that you're
0: providing. Uh, it's yeah. extremely shady,
1: but not illegal in the least. And that's why- sh- I mean, they're
0: leveraging yeah. their their brand. And uh, they did the smart thing by leveraging the fact that they had a brick and mortar location yeah. to, where people can can go to and do that, which it makes sense. Which, enough. you know,
1: there's like two aspects to that that I found really both infuriating and kind of funny is- yeah. uh. The the concept of them just like, you know, to go back to that one, them just like going, well, we are, you know, we're in debt, we're bankrupt, but we're still operating. We have access to hundreds of millions of dollars. We can afford to give $25 million to this online thing and have it keep going. And we yeah. can charge as little as we want. And they literally come out and say like, you know, they make $10 million a year. If they have to bring their thing down five... Per subscriber, like they're gonna lose like 2.5 million dollars or like some number like that. Yeah. And it's like, yo, that's fucked up. Don't do that. That is a nasty way to do business. And yeah, but they're trying to present themselves like this is how it works. And it's like, it only works like that because people like you, you, you dumb, fucking bald, white fucks, do shit like this and speak yeah. in the way that you do that Robbie Anderson doesn't like, you know. And it's true. The, the thing with the brick and he mortar doesn't. location is one of the most ridiculous things in the world. I can't believe it worked. It's literally the thing Blockbuster already did. They literally just went, well, we're going to be online like Netflix, but we also have brick and mortar. So instead of sending it in, which is the whole point of the new business, you can just bring it in and exchange it for something else. And you're like, that's called a subscription fee. You guys literally just said 10 minutes ago in this documentary that you were like subscription fees would never work, and that you guys were competent
0: of that, and then you learned that they did, so you just applied it to your thing, and it's like, well, it's funny. Yeah. It's funny that there was a time where like both like Netflix and Blockbuster were just like needlessly complicated. Because I even remember like being someone who was like subscribed to Netflix, and when they were starting to really push for their streaming model, which like you know was a good move in the long run, but was handled poorly. Yeah, uh, I remember just being like, "What the fuck's going on?" And then I remember seeing Blockbuster commercials and being like. What the fuck are they talking about? Like, you get the movie, but then you can just go to Blockbuster. Like, why do they have? They it? Why do they even have this? It, yeah.
1: Exactly, because they like, were just trying to. They were just trying to
0: beat Netflix. It's so yeah. obvious what they were doing. But they had enough like bodies and and subscribers and people who still go to mm-hmm. Block. Who still went to Blockbuster? I think largely until Netflix kind of became a utility at this point. Yes. But I think it's because you know people have a lot of nostalgia for Blockbuster. I I used to go to Blockbuster, all yeah the time when i was a kid and i was i was like kind of bummed when they left you know they they suck
1: (laughs) blockbuster has one of the most important things that you can possibly have in any business at all and it's one of the hardest things to get they've got a branding they yeah you say blockbuster everybody knows not only what it is but what it looks like what they do where they are like people know these things and that you see
0: the colors in your exactly. head that you see the yeah it got it down. you know and exactly where it that's is that's another
1: big bullshit thing where they were like we gave them 25 million dollars to start up a blockbuster online thing they were completely on their own they couldn't advertise in our stores you know they had to start from square one and i'm like you little liars it's called <laughs> blockbuster online who the fuck do you think you're talking to like that's me yeah Watching a documentary that these guys, these human beings are sitting down in front of a camera and talking. They're like, whoever's watching this, I'm totally pulling it over on them right now. And it's like, you guys are just like, and it doesn't matter because Blockbuster is already gone. Like they're, they're they're trying to rework history to make themselves look better when it's just like, yeah, so we sent them a sink. (laughs) Ha 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 and yeah, no, they're just and like the the the, the girl that's uh talking uh, the woman who's uh you know i was working in the office and like a sink showed up and i was just like yeah oh that's really nice that they've got the money and the time to like do shit like just this do that. i guess we'll yeah. go back to um being a company like then they're right. just like it's so childish and they're like yeah
0: so we set him a sink it was great i mean it reminds me of like you know i think this com- I am not the first to make this comparison, um, but, like, the how, how GameStop is right now is, like, you know, going the, also the way of the Dodo Bird, same same as Blockbuster, but it's also because, like, you know, GameStop has tried to not, like, just, like, rebrand, but kind of, like, remodel their stores to be, like, places where people can, like, uh, come play games and potentially hang out, but they're also, like, closing 80,000 stores across the country, but I, but also, like, since coronavirus happened, they've also, like have not treated their employees well or safely. And they just keep like muddling. They just keep shooting themselves in the foot and then putting that shot foot in their mouths and fucking everything up. And it's like, you know, it's just another, like these giant corporations. Uh, it's always so interesting when it's revealed that they're just like so grossly incompetent. Cause there's just like way too many people without critical thought, agreeing with each other and just trying to do something because like some board meeting with like a hundred thousand people in the zoom, is just talking at once and just doesn't want to disagree with each other and they can't figure out fucking anything cuz they're grossly incompetent and uh but their stocks aren't affected for now. So there you go. Right.
1: It's the same thing with like uh when you get into the streaming. It's like Netflix like figured this shit out and they were like they're the 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 thing they say at the end which is the undeniable truth. Is that Netflix is uh, a few years ahead of absolutely everybody else. No matter unless somebody has an insanely like genius idea that sparks ahead four or five years from what Netflix has planned, Netflix is always going to be at the top of stuff. They were the first ones were like we're creating original content on the level yeah. of this. We're by attracting filmmakers who can't get their stuff financed by big budget Hollywood. You know, and this opens up the big conversation that this movie is kind of tiptoeing around because. It's not necessarily, not that it's not interested in these points, but it's, it's not, uh, that's not what the documentary is covering. And it's that Hollywood is a lot like blockbuster. Uh, Hollywood has shot itself in the foot many, many times by catering to, you know, quadrant level filmmaking and trying to just create, isolate things and have big blockbusters coming out like once every two months and just like oversaturating with these gigantic big mega blockbusters that have like this huge global international return and not really focusing on these smaller, quieter, independent movies that can be made for much less and that can make way more if given the right marketing. And this is a thing that Hollywood has been doing for decades and it's been working for them. But now Netflix and streaming are starting to show like, no, you can make like, Say whatever you want about the quality of the content of the show, Stranger Things. That fucking thing is one of the greatest TV shows on a level of just, like, quality, how it looks, the 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 money that goes into it. All of these things are, like, TV shows like that did not exist. You got something like that with, like, The Sopranos and The Wire and Game of Thrones every now and
0: then. Netflix is, like, they're shooting them out. Like, Ozark... Uh, Russian doll. Yeah, like there, there. So many of these shows get renewed for second seasons. They have huge people that watch them. I mean, even you know, me and uh, me and Diana did a podcast on Extinction. Yes, uh, e- Extraction. Week. Extraction. Yeah, fucking whatever. That movie's not that great. No, but I figured it had. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's not great. Uh, if you're into movies about white saviors, you can watch that and have a. Oh, that's my um, cup of tea right there. It's my favorite Ooh. thing. Um, but like that movie, like had. Uh, a premiere of like 98 million people watched it, you know, like that's crazy. That's that's another fun thing about Netflix. That's insane. Can't prove that. So they can say say whatever the fuck they, if that's true, but if that is a true metric, it says a lot of things that are crazy, mm -hmm. you know, the,
1: uh, from working in the exhibition business with uh, turnouts, ticket sales, and, um, you know, just kind of uh, development in, uh, research and response and stuff. Uh, I can tell you right now I would bet my entire left arm, those numbers and all the numbers that Netflix gives on their original content are nowhere fucking near what they're actually what they're saying that they are. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they more than double them in certain things because legally they can say whatever they want, they don't have to show it and why wouldn't you say like, yeah, uh no like yeah, my show at that music venue the other week. did anybody here go to it? Does anybody have access to the information yeah. I'm about to say no Oh yeah, there was like 450 people there. It was great. You missed out you, next time come. And it's, they don't
0: need to be transparent with their metrics no, at all. No, they, I'm no sure I, to. I do think they, they, you know, again, like Netflix is kind of util, utility, and you don't see like a lot of packages that like include Netflix subscriptions. Like these still are kind of like yep. you have to get them. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Disney Plus is just like, hey, did you buy uh, like micro SD card? <laughs> Here's a free subscription yeah. to Disney Plus. Yeah. There yeah.
1: you go. Disney Plus. I mean, they're doing kind of the same thing that Blockbuster was doing. Like I still say yeah. that 4.99. Uh, a month for Disney plus is one of the greatest deals in the, in the world.
0: Yeah. I mean, this documentary kind of ends before, you know, I think it wrapped shooting, you know, only when Disney plus was like announced. Yeah. This was made in 2018. Yeah. So now we're seeing like a lot of these, um, when they get to the the last uh, part of the film, where they're talking about like the, the competitors and how, you know, Netflix has been attacked on a few fronts, but a few different people and and the attacks are going to keep coming as more people are are moving to streaming. Uh But, you know, I think the only person that the only company that could have really eaten Netflix's lunch, especially with the merger would have been Disney plus. And and right now we're not seeing that happen. No, because Netflix has solidified
1: itself as one of the major studios. Um, And that is a fact. And Hollywood doesn't want, there's that great scene of, um, uh, who was it that was saying it was it Alfonso Cuaron was, uh, was saying like Netflix and Hollywood, streaming services in Hollywood need to stop bickering your...
0: As he has two awards. Yeah, as he has two. They need (laughs) to. It's great. It's so
1: funny that he gets so candid about it while holding these things. Uh, Yeah, it's, um you know, and that's one of the... That's why I told you like, hey, this thing's coming out now. Let's watch that so we can get together and talk about it because, you know, what the documentary is covering is very interesting, but the bigger kind of conversation surrounding that of stuff that we are adamantly involved in on a normal life day-to-day basis with independent theater films and like you know one of the things about story scream uh that i'm very proud of uh and proud of everybody else that works in it is that uh there are very few movie theaters like us that play not only also big blockbuster movies like bad boys for life and captain marvel and it chapter two but we also play um, very small, independently released, widely independently at released, the same at the
0: same time. And you films, go down the hall. You go yeah. down the hall,
1: and we also do revival screenings. There are not a lot of theaters that do these, like the the first run big blockbuster movies, first and second run independent, <laughs> wide, foreign, and all of those different things in between, and also um, uh, repertory, retrospective, revival. Stuff. And we, that is somewhere in there lies the future of movie theaters, especially after an event like this. COVID 19 presented in um, this pandemic presented within the theater system the same things that it presented to everything else that everything is not working. And it takes something like this, a crisis like this. The exact same thing happened to more or lesser degrees on different fronts when 9 11 happened. It showed a weakness in our economy, our culture, our business, our country. Um, and the movie theater is just, is luckily one where it's the easiest thing in the world to fix. Movie theaters can survive this by doing the exact thing that we have been doing over at Story Screen for over a year now. And not to sound like I'm patting ourselves on the back or anything, or saying that this is such a simple answer. Like you have to do work at it. It's you have to give people more for the twelve dollars that you're charging them <clears throat> for the movie. Yeah. You don't just slap the trailers that the studios ask you. You just put it in there, and then you get them, and you turn it over, and you. Like we provide like fun trailers beforehand, fun interactions with all of that. We talk to people in the lobby because of our size, we're able to do that and be more personable. And we're constantly figuring out ways to be able to get people to interact and have a fun time so that by the time the movie that they paid for to go see before that even starts, they're already having a great time and they're happy with their visit. And now they get to see the thing that they came there for. And now that's up to them whether they like it
0: or not. I th- I think, you know, uh, the traditional studio uh, movie theater relationship is just... It's a stone in, in the river of time. And any that there's, like, you know, companies or things where they're trying to leverage all the money in the world to keep things the way they are is just putting more nails in the coffin, like, every single time. And I think we're going to see when things... Return to quote unquote normal or whatever normal is going to be in the future. Um, you know, we're going to see places like AMC and Regal and these like companies who are, and even, you know, places in Hollywood where they're trying to be like, no, we want to go back. We have to do things this way, even though it doesn't make sense. And we're going to use all of our manpower to do that. But they're just going to be lost by the wayside eventually. Cause that's like, you know, again, that's like what's happening to. Any, you know, any company where things that are uh, brick and mortar and can be utilized in a digital landscape are going to go away, um, unless they figure out ways to make their locations and the reason to be a brick and mortar place to be either more human facing, as you described earlier, or otherwise. And, you know, we're just going to have to see how things how those things move. But yeah, I think, you know, StoryScreen has a leg up because we are small, so we kind of can fit into a lot of nooks and crannies. Mm-hmm. Um but like, you know, we're doing something particularly unique, but, you know, we're not all that different from Alamo Drafthouse, which no. was, you know, the last big surge or it's it was the last big shakeup in movie theaters, uh-huh. you know. Um, besides, we had more, indi- you know, we're in line with like independent places, but, you know, Alamo was, you know, they were like, well, we're going to do alcohol, cert- like stuff like that. We're also going to have more engaging media before the movies. We're going to do more repertory stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're going to have to see other movie theaters like places like regal and amc are just they're going to have to become less giant corporations about things because i think more people are not looking to that for their movie going experience at least you know it's
1: like anything else you know an amc and you don't think of it because again a lot of smaller movie theaters like you know independent theaters that are around us or independent theaters that are around any of our listeners that they may be used to uh typically don't really show the big stuff right away maybe they do a second run or maybe they're just strictly an independent or art house uh theater um is that one of the things that's kind of hard to uh maybe realize in like kind of just thinking about it but you know one the second i'm going to say it it's going to seem very obvious and everybody's thought of it before as well is that AMC and Regal and, you know, some of these other big ones, not to call them out specifically because they are corporations. I'm calling them out because they are the biggest ones. Not that they're yeah. necessarily doing anything bad. Um, Just need to be very careful with how I say all of this.
0: <laughs> they uh, are doing things the way they've always
1: yes, done. Yes, they things. are. Um, yeah. <laughs> They are, you know, the chains. They are like going to an Outback Steakhouse or going to a McDonald's. They are streamlined to do things the same to do them fast and to get as much uh, out of them as they can to get as many people in there as they possibly can and yeah. that's what they are and independent movie theaters or at least the really good ones are all about um not just the outcome but also the process it's yeah it's being able to entertain people from the minute they step in the door to when they leave which seems like a very cheesy thing but it's actually much harder to execute when you're actually trying to
0: do something like that I think also, you know, what helps us and, you know, I'm not sure of other independent movie theaters that can do this um, is that we, uh, and I, 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 I use this not in like that it's the reality, but just the perception. Like we're very not pretentious about being like a film house. Yes. You know, like we will show like Good Burger mm-hmm. and you will fucking watch it and you will enjoy yes. it and quote, quote and say orange soda jokes for the rest of your yeah. life um yeah yeah it fits our but we yeah. also but we also will show art house movies yeah. you know because that's the stuff that we right. like and i think that's that's always been the kind of mission statement of story screen as as as, yes. as long as i've yeah. been and attached to it where it's just like not pretentious not trying to we don't like you know we're not just talking about terrence malick movies yeah. We're talking about all kinds of stuff you know let's nice call that good yeah. yeah no the brand of story screen
1: i've always uh, i've always tried to present to you know everyone who comes on and we start building it together uh, and everybody who interacts with it either as an employee, a contributor or just a customer um, or a fan uh, you know the idea is like we're super sassy we got that sass and we we are uh, the sass is kind of like you know the brand was built off of kind of the uh, artificial intelligence of my own personality from like seven years ago where it's like I can afford to be sassy because I don't like being pretentious. I like making fun of people who are pretentious because I think anything can be good to to somebody. So technically, that makes nothing truly bad. So you can just really start. There's nothing more fun than being able to look at something like the 400 Blows or Chinatown or um, Derek Jarman's Blue, you know, or like these very intricate, artful, experimental films. And be able to look at it through your critical lens, but also use that exact same critical lens on something like The Saint or um, Good Burger, like you said. Like it; These are like fun things to do. And it's the difference yeah. between liking movies, like having movies actually be something that you like and like talking about movies and discussing movies. It's the difference between that and liking people to... Uh, Have a better understanding of who you are based on what you like and what you don't like, which is where kind of this pretension comes from, whether you're doing it on purpose or not, is believing that people's outlooks on you are going to change based on the things that you say you like and what you don't like and why that's always going to happen. But it affecting you is the thing that kind of makes you a little bit of a dick is like that shouldn't affect you, you know. That's uh, it. It's another thing with movies. Uh, it's the same thing with music. You know, I can't tell you how many times Anything, I, get, man. I get yelled at because I'm just like, I mean, you know, 1989 is probably one of Taylor Swift's best albums, but Reputation actually pushes things a little bit further. It gets a little bit better with Lover because that's got a little bit more of the red. in well, there. even
0: even you being a, the pop genre aficionado that you are, puts you you know it makes people look at you as being you were being like ironic pretentious like that's like that's like the new like sphere yes. of like oh you're into something so popular now you're pretentious for liking the mainstream things yes. which i'm not really sure like you know it's how not actually a how thing. we've evolved there that's not, not, not a thing yeah. you'd no. be surprised well, how I, many things are not actually things i'm not i mean a lot of it's the artifice because people are just like well i don't like that you like a thing yeah. so now i need to to Dude. attribute it to something and it's because you think you're smarter than me yeah. that you like carly Rae Jepsen. but actually I don't know how much I like her, but her producer slapped because yeah. those albums rock. It's you a, know? My, know. <laughs> my entire personal modus operandi,
1: as well as what I instilled in story screen when I started it like seven, eight years ago and nurtured to continue it as other people were coming on and taking the reins with me and helping me steer it was always to be uh, never make fun of somebody because they like something and discuss yeah. something with someone if they say they hate something that you like.
0: It's hard. I mean, like you know, I, I get challenged by it. like movies like The Joker was like probably my my biggest like uh, film brain yeah. <laughs> challenge it's, where I was just yeah. like I fucking hate this well, movie. Well, with something, but a like lot that, of people really yeah. like it. So you have to kind of be nice and talk about well, it. Well,
1: that's you like know? you know, uh, me and you love love making fun of that little movie, but it's fun. you know, I talk to Bernadette or. Uh, Sophia at the movie theater and Sophia put it like on uh, her top 10 list and like I talked to her about it and I talked to her about how I didn't like it because of this and she was like oh well I liked it because of this and I haven't seen some of those movies but I have seen some of them and I'm like yeah Yeah. we're two completely different human beings with two different wrinkled brains going into the same movie we're going to have a different experience with it it doesn't make one person better at anything it's just an opinion on a piece of art
0: yeah i mean even like you know something like uh, justice league which is like universally panned but has a lot of people who really like it and are begging for this, yeah. this mysterious snyder ourselves cut. included think, yeah yeah we need it release so bad. the snyder um, cut, please fucks. um but i think it's you know a lot of times like you know those people who really like those movies like they're, they're super invested in like the old school detective comics like way of storytelling where it's just like Hey, are you in the know? Have you read like 300 issues since like fucking 1939 and know this story? And like this movie's for them and being a part of that thing. And, you know, I'm not that guy. I'm more of like a Frank Miller, you know, uh, DC reborn type Mm -hmm. boy where I I like the more gritty. Dark. No, I I like stories that make sense. I like stories that make sense. That's my thing. And that's and that's kind of the difference when you get to something like uh, Frank Miller's work in Batman is because it has a beginning, middle and end. Mm And that like changed Batman Forever because we were just like, yeah. and that's what got all the normals into Batman because it was like, oh, like I don't need to read 300 issues of whatever the fuck's been going on since whenever. Mm-hmm. I can just read this four issue thing, and then I'm I'm done, and then it's the next thing. Yeah, you know? something can be good and also not well made.
1: That is that's true. what I, and that's something that I. Um, try and talk about a little bit when it comes to like, you know, cause sometimes I can have on the surface level uh, and I pointed it out many times before, I can have very hypocritical opinions where like, I'll, uh, you know, I don't like Joker because of this, but then, you know, uh, Ingrid goes West or taxi driver or, or the social network, these types of movies That's that right. are dealing with kind of the same metaphorical, Uh, mechanisms and storytelling I'm just like yeah these three do it well this one I don't think I don't think does well you can disagree with that Uh, I have yet with Joker for anybody to be able to and I don't want to use the word convince me because it's not it's not a. am up on the altar and you need to knock me down if
0: if you're positioning it that
1: way then it will not happen if you are positioning to me that you like Joker because of its story that is the one that I'm the most interested in. You can like it because of his performance. Our episode on Joker, we said, like, there's a lot about this movie that's pretty cool. It looks nice. Uh, the looks score nice. was great. Uh, and yep. Joaquin Phoenix's performance, I wasn't that hot on it at the very beginning, but I think I have built it up a little bit too much. I'm a little bit leaner on it now. But then there's everything else revolving around the movie that I makes it his, a little rough. I think his
0: performance is good. It's it's the direction Yes, the and it's, that it's knows, the story.
1: But... What the point, yeah. and it's like... Me and Dee recently watched Super 8 and we went into Super 8 where I was like, I watched Super 8 in 2011 when it came out and I don't like Super 8. And Diana was like, I watched Super 8 in 2011 when it came out and I like Super 8. And I was like, let's watch Super 8 because I was like, I know a little bit more about J.J. Abrams now. I've been studying up on a lot of Spielberg stuff. (laughs) We're deep in nostalgia now. So let's get into it and see what's up. And we both came out of it. I went up a little bit and she went down a little bit. And now it's like, it's okay. And it's because um, you can see something and you can be honest with yourself about, uh, I'm enjoying myself right now, but is this well-made? And Super 8 is very much not a well-made movie. It's very janky. There's a lot of cut scenes that are obviously cut that make uh, the, the continuity of it really spin on its head um it feels like something that in a couple years stranger things would perfect this kind of nostalgic idea of all of these yep. different elements together uh and it's just all of these things where at the end of it you can see what the point of the story was you can see the the metaphor that the theme that they are attempting to put forward and they execute it but executing a theme does not mean that you earned the payoff, and that's the whole thing with Super Eight, is it has this amazing, cool execution that should be a great payoff, but it's not paying anything off because none of those seeds have been planted, other than just like there's a necklace. I wonder what it is. Here's what it is, and it means this now. And you're like, mm,
0: I don't buy it. Sounds like another J.J. Abrams movie that I well, saw fairly and This was something. Yeah, <laughs> this was
1: something I said uh, to D, well after we when we were discussing it. I was like, I like it when J.J. Abrams isn't trying to make something th- uh based on something else. And I mean yeah. that specifically as, like, I like his Star Trek and I like his Star Wars. I don't like his Star Trek where he tries to make Wrath of Khan and I don't like his Star Wars where he tries to give everybody what they want. I don't like his movie where he tries to be Spielberg. Uh, You know, I, yeah. these are things, I feel like I mentioned this too on another podcast, perhaps. We talked about it the other day, I think off of mic. Oh, yeah, but, okay, um, cool.
0: As friends. Well as not, we now now
1: because we're doing the zoom with all of this, it's the same setup. So I'm kinda like, wait, did I say this on another episode? Am I gonna no, sound like, totally a, like a
0: like a little fucking idiot? Am I gonna sound like a moron? I think, you know, with JJ, he's he's never put into and I'm ha- I'm loving the tangent right now. Um, I mean, this is what think, this is, yeah. Yeah. I think with JJ, I think uh it's never he's never in a good position when studios use him as like a Ron Howard, you know? Mm. Like when they use him as like Hey, you know how to work within the studio system. We need you to fix the ship, and he's He's... not super good at patching the ship. Like he, he's good at he. He the ship will get to its destination, but like it's kind of like it's it's kind of still sinking. Um, there are rats on the ship because you didn't plug the holes super well. It got to where it's going. It's missing half the food and all the medicines off the ship. We had to get rid of all the medicine because. I, someone said to get rid of all the medicine. I think I misheard him, but someone said to get rid of all the medicine. Yeah, on like, ship? The captain said that we don't need all of the
1: medicine or the, the group that plans like what to do in case we need the medicine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we it's we not like his this crate that said, it's not his crate fault. that
0: said Ryan Johnson and we threw it in the ocean. Um, yeah, I think when, when he's utilized in that way, which I think happens a lot because I think he's really competent, you know, I think he's super good at, at making movies mm-hmm um but i think when he's used in that way as like the problem solver that's very not J.J. Abrams to a T. That's very that's the antithesis of J.J. Mm. Abrams as is, is a problem solver, you know? Yeah,
1: he's, he's a competent director who knows, who has a natural talent for being able to not only know how to make a movie, but also how to get people around him to make the movie that he wants. One of J.J. Abrams' biggest problems is he's very good at setting things up and not too good on the execution. Hence, that's why yeah. a lot of his movies, the third acts, are not all that great. But, you know, some of them are terrible and some of them are good and some of them some of them are really great like mission impossible 3 and the first star trek are just like to me i love that i love that exact i I love that first star trek movie um and you know but you get something like star trek into darkness or even something like the rise of skywalker which are two very interesting you know the the second stars of this thing that he makes um that he really didn't intend to come back and do where he made like pretty good first ones and he's gonna pass it off on to somebody else. I mean Force Awakens is just him setting up a bunch of stuff because he doesn't have to worry about uh, resolving them. Somebody else is gonna do that.
0: Yeah, and then he get then everyone gets fucking mad yes. when the person like does yeah. it and is like, yo, what
1: Yes. And, <laughs> what?
0: and he he's just like Star Trek into Darkness
1: is just one of those things, one of those movies where it just and not a lot of movies actually do this. So it's actually quite impressive. It gets worse as it goes. And when you're halfway through, you're like, this is a bad movie. I already know it's bad, so there's no way it can get worse. And it just keeps getting worse. And you you get to the end of the movie, and you've got like 15 minutes left. And you're like, yeah, this is terrible. But at least I know how bad it is. And it continues. It perseveres. Nevertheless, Star Trek Into Darkness persevered. She persisted. And she just kept getting worse. And Rise of Skywalker is kind of the same thing where you're just like, it starts out like just like a rickety car going down this bumpy, rocky hill and all the wheels are flying off.
0: It's going so fast. And then like, you know,
1: it's Rise of Skywalker is like if you took that scene from the Adventures of Tintin where like his motorcycle is just falling apart piece by piece while he's going through this. And it's just like, oh my God. And like, how are these people still hanging on? Like. It's a digital movie that we were digitally screening at my theater. And I half expected towards the end of the movie for like the film to just like burn out
0: and rip and just be flapping and flapping and flapping. It was crazy. I mean, because like the movie, you know, it's it's one of the few movies where uh, it you you just tell from when it begins. It's like we need to end. Right. I just it's like it's like begging to be murdered. Like it's like, please kill me. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to do this. But to bring it back around mm -hmm. too, to like,
1: you know. Joker Another. conversation, oh, that. <laughs> yeah, that where the tangent started. Uh, to yes. root it back, um, it's if somebody doesn't, if somebody likes Rise of Skywalker or likes Funny Star Trek Into do. Darkness, or doesn't like Star Trek, or doesn't like um, Star Wars: The Force Awakens. Those are the type of people that I am the most interested in talking to about those movies. I would love to talk to somebody yeah. about some something that we have a shared opinion on. Because then we can really dive into like, why do I feel that way? And, you know, why do you feel that way? And, oh, I, I agree with that. That's why. But it's also fun to talk yeah. with somebody who has an opposing opinion. Because then you can really kind of see what the other side is like. And what they do like about it. And that can change yeah. your opinion. And it's all about being you need to have two players in that game and you can't just have one person out to beat the no. other and cuz then it's never going to work you have to have a discussion and have fun and at the end of the day realize movies are very important to you probably but they're not the most important thing in the world and no. you know joker can suck <clears throat> it is okay for it to suck it's actually likely that it does you can still like it
0: but it can sure. still suck it can still be not well made i think i think the the most like the thing about like film and television that i fear the most as like a as someone who's like, you know, studious in that space and tries to be critical in that space is um and create in that space is uh is the idea of fan service. i think that is the most like brooding toxic trait that has started to to percolate and bubble in storytelling. um and I don't know when it started per se, but I do think it started to get like, it started to scare me Um, when hearing conversations about Game of Thrones and how they're just like, well, we're here to to please the fans. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, that shouldn't be like, obviously you shouldn't be there to like not please the fans like actively, but you should be trying to, you know, service the story yeah. and make the thing. And I think that's like, you know, when we're talking about Joker, Justice League, Star Wars, Star Trek, every one of these stories the thing that kind of like is, is the cancer is like the tumor in them is this idea of like fan service and being so afraid of your audience that you are appeasing them in a way that like is weird because like in a lot of ways in, in some of these cases it like super works like in, in in like in a monetary way or even in like you know a generalized way it's like you know something you know joker it it sold gangbusters it did super well so did uh, rise of skywalker and like rise of skywalker had the inverse critically of what happened with last jedi where the you know the critic reviews and the user and like the um like the not critic reviews uh, there's a general audience yeah general audience reviews mm-hmm. you know are were like super high for rise of skywalker but like the critical reviews were super low and you know I, and that's what really scares me because it's just like Oh, I, I, it's working. <laughs> you know these these things that these people are doing are working. Obviously, I think with cases of like uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, I haven't seen it, but I think for the most part, that's a panned movie. It's, like, no one, it's knew. one of my favorite bad movies.
1: Yeah. You can feel how bad it is. It's palpable. You can like you can <laughs> see the missteps happening like five seconds before they happen. You're like, oh, are they gonna do that? Oh, sh-. yeah. You know, and I think that. Uh, on on that, every, I agree with everything that you're saying, that fan service done wrong is one of the worst things that you can do. And unfortunately, fan service, like a lot of other things that goes into creating art, and especially movies, is uh, some people think that they got some good ideas, and they're not that great. And some people are going to yeah. like them. Uh, But you're usually going to find most decisions on big blockbuster movies like that. You're going to find something where most people lean towards it's good or it's bad. That's why when you get something like The Last Jedi that has such a cleanly even divide, that's why it's such a phenomenon. And fan service is good uh, if you do it correctly. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Kurt Russell plays Star-Lord's dad. That is fan service that is we yep. are taking chris pratt who is the new kurt russell of this generation we're going to make kurt we're, we're going to make kurt russell his dad in this and that yep. is good fan service that's like it doesn't matter because he kurt russell does not exist In that universe, in the way that we see him, he is not in this movie. That is very finely honed fan service because there's layers to it that make it kind of, are you in the know? Isn't that cool? Fun. But also, if you didn't notice, it doesn't matter. Not like when Chewbacca gets a medal at the end of Rise of Skywalker. And (laughs) if you didn't know about what the fan service was with that, you'd be like... It doesn't make any fucking sense. And it's the same thing with Star Trek Into Darkness, where when one of the characters reveals himself to be khan to our two main characters spock and kirk spock and kirk at that point do not know who khan is but the but the scene is played with this weight of this reveal that's only for us and that is bad fan service where we're it's done solely for the response that the audience is going to get and not the response within the characters it's lazy writing uh it doesn't progress the story at all unless it's just like to instead of building walls and corridors to be able to get to the end of a tunnel, which is a story, they're just breaking through walls and building new ones. We're like, well now he's con.
0: <laughs> well, when you're, when you build, when you seed properly and build, um, you know, the avenues to fan service, like I think, you know, end game, you know, I really like end game. Uh, there's a lot of times where it's hard to, under, like, it's hard to really decide if that's like a movie or some just like really strange, comic book continuation experiment. Um but I cried a lot the first time I watched it because it, it hit with me emotionally. And that movie's like exclusively fan service. Yeah. The last hour of it is like fan service without really is is laissez faire with uh, the plot of reality at that point. But that good but it works. It it's works. Good you
1: know? fan service because it's earned. Yeah. Like these guys get to do that. You know, it's the Avengers yeah. coming out after five uh five? One, two, three, four, five, five four, five. Five Marvel movies. Then you put them all together, and Justice League just yeah. coming out after they made a Superman movie and a Batman and Superman movie. Which I just realized that Batman v Superman is Batman very
0: Superman, very Superman. The A F Superman, yeah, V A F. It's Batman, very but very Superman. Well, I mean that's another case of you know, kind of, kind of even. To to mention the the documentary, like the they're like being like blockbuster in that way, where they're just like, we have these fans of these IPs, they want to see us do another Batman, they want another Wonder Woman movie. Let's just make it all at once, and like let's just you know cover a lot of the runway in this in this fashion, and it uh, doesn't work. You like that, Robbie? I tip my hat (laughs) to you, sir. What
1: a way to segue back. (laughs) To the original <laughs> point, that was. It seemed like it was going to be a stretch, and I was like, "Oh, I hope he doesn't pull something with this." But you,
0: you landed that it. very perfectly. That was thank you. Whew. Thank you. Wow. I mean, it's you know, it's it's the mishandling of your fan base, and, and and you know the the weird thing, and and the and the reason that you know people are nostalgic for blockbuster, people are nostalgic for all of these detective comics ip you know like that's that's just kind of the way it is and that's why people will be like oh we like we want more of the snyder movie or we want more of this like because like you know they have this weird nostalgic protection and you know nostalgia is the most powerful drug that like actively produces in your brain you know so yeah i i I I wrote that article a few years ago um
1: on nostalgia and like how nostalgia, just like fan service, which, you know, it, it, they are kind of one and the same from certain, you know, like uh, they are off. They are often they're very parallel sure. running ideas that are utilized by movies to increase uh, success and um, fill out those quadrants and stuff. And yeah, nostalgia, it, just like fan service. And again, just like any other uh, technique, whether professional or um, just kind of improvised <laughs> in making art and especially movies. Uh, it's all on how you do it. And you know, uh, like, uh, ready player one, I think is one of the, like the, uh, I'm really excited I to see. revisit that movie again. And it's, it's just because the nostalgia in that it, it and the fan service a lot like end game and before Endgame did it, um, is very just based on wearing it on its sleeve and being like, this is what the movie's about. You shouldn't have bought a ticket if you don't like this kind of stuff, but we're here to yeah. talk about like, the actual story of Ready Player One, which I don't think gets a lot of play because it's the least interesting or maybe not interesting, but like the least spect- uh, like um
0: its references are quite loud, are
1: very to loud. To like its own, they can yeah. kind of <laughs> cover up the the like sub B plot story that's, you know, kind of feeding into the story. whole thing and I don't want to give anything away because I know a lot of people haven't seen Ready Player One. I know that that's because cool. it's true.
0: It's kind of like a weird Final Fantasy game but yes. a movie? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a Western Final Fantasy there's, game, there's, if that makes any there's sense. There's
1: something to Ready Player One that is very much about uh, the differentiation between legacy and nostalgia from consumer and creator point of views. And it's yeah. very interesting that you get somebody like Steven Spielberg, which the book and the movie Ready Player One, a lot of the characters are based off of his IP. Uh, yeah. And... You know, I'm breaking back into my Spielberg stuff right now and I'm reading a bunch of Spielberg uh, bio biographies and books and stuff and learning a lot about his childhood, which is insanely fascinating and interesting because he's, you know, you can't really tell the difference between like myth and reality at this point where people have these anecdotal stories of a 12 year old Spielberg, you know, using jello, aluminum foil and ketchup on a table to create something that you've never seen before on film, you know, yeah. and it's, it's very interesting uh, his career is amazing. That's why I launched the, the Spielberg series, which I still have yet to title, but I, I'm going to get it. I, I got to get it. just the right title. It's going to be interesting to go through and see his filmography of just uh, getting to that point of Ready Player One. And I do believe that Ready Player One, even though it is fairly recent to the time of this recording, it is kind of just this peak of... What Spielberg has done in his entire run. And I honestly do feel that he is going to start reverting back more and more to his um, his simpler, more adult fare. I think he'll, from time to time, he'll get a Tintin in there. He'll get a Indiana yeah. Jones in there. I do believe that he will never fully leave those types of movies behind. But I do think that he has matured so much where he can really look back at his films and say something of immense worth that only someone with his uh, achievements and his success can say. And Ready Player One, I think, is him saying that and saying it in a yeah. very artistic and genuinely honest way.
0: It's a great movie. It's I really like it. I think Ready Player One's a lot of fun. I, you know, even just talking about it right now, my my brain goes to, like, did, did Ready Player One happen, like, too early? Yeah. You know, like... Mm-hmm. Like I like if like if if we if Ready Player One came out in like 2025, mm-hmm. like would that have been more of like a, yep. a time, or even you know? or even 2010? Like, like it came
1: out in the wrong. Sh- spot. Oh yeah, sure. You know, it came out when fan <laughs> yeah. service and nostalgia hate was at its peak. Before people mm-hmm. were starting to kind of look at it really on like a bigger scale and be like, yeah, but like you know the the meme of the the guy with the butterfly and be like. It's like the butterfly. Is this movie, it, like the yeah. butterfly, is nostalgia, and it's like, is this bad? Like, it's mm. no, not really. It just depends on you know. One of the best things about opinions is that you can make your opinion be whatever you want, and that's why you get false and opinions. Can change. And unfortunately, well, yeah. some people can tell
0: when you're presenting a false opinion to them because you can't explain yeah. it, or it's just you know. I think when people just don't want to like something. Yep it's and that's a hard thing too because i i do you know even you know coming back to like the like the joker like i certainly didn't want to like that movie and i and i tried to have as open of a mind as i could when i watched it and you know if you listen to our hot take like I, i'm not shitting on the movie i'm having a conversation about it there are things i genuinely don't like about it and most people when i do talk to them like i don't go in dunk mode i go into like Tell me why you like yeah, it exactly. Yeah, so that's because cool. you you are. They don't need to know why I yeah, don't. You like are it. good it doesn't human. Yeah. yeah, there's. I'm not. I'm yeah. not looking to
1: convert anybody to not liking it or making somebody feel like I think they're stupid because they like something that I don't like. That is dumb, and that is what dumb people do. I would never in yeah. a million years pass judgment on somebody based on a movie that they
0: like. I'm not or so. Don't like. Yeah, I'm not so insecure no. where I need no. you know my opinion validated. That hard. but
1: I can also you know. affirm and you know, this could be a conspiracy because me and you are uh, dem boys. Uh, we mm. saw Joker together and we talked about it immediately after together. And we were both very honest about like, we were making fun of the movie before it came out. And we went in Oh yeah, and we were like, you know, let's see if this thing really shocks us. I think you were a little bit more on the side of I'm probably not going to like it because you
0: had read the script. I had read the script because it leaked. And even though, and seeing the movie was just like, all right, well, I read, I read the right one. This is yeah. this is what it is. <laughs> Something's changed. Uh, I must have read like the first draft or or you know the not shooting script. Yeah, of course. It, but yeah, they changed. Things. It was it was it was the same. Yeah. <laughs> it was the story. So Netflix versus the movies. Uh, pretty uh, all right documentary. Yeah. You should check it out. I mean, the cool thing about Netflix, and I think the reason they uh, got that that runway and started to lead ahead is that they seem to be a company that like. They own up when they do something wrong. They have really good customer service. They uh, feel human at times. Even when you we, we, we meet all of these people that started it, uh, they feel like people. They don't feel like, you know, they don't feel like the people that you meet from Blockbuster where they are just corporate robots, you know, uh, who are just trying to make more billions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Netflix is, sh- is surely trying to make money, but they're also trying to, you know, they are trying to shake up, the movie industry as a whole, when it comes to the way that we absorb films and stuff like that, and you know, even our discussion about like all these different types of movies and franchises and fan service and stuff like that, like uh, Netflix is a cool place where they, you know, there, there are some people being like, "There's a lot of crap on Netflix." It's like, yeah, but you're allowed to watch that. Yeah. Like that's there, like you can watch that stuff. It's it's this entire catalog of things that's not curated in a pretentious way. It's not curated in a in any way. It's just being like, well, we have. Mm-hmm you want to show your things on here and we're going to let you do mm-hmm. that. And you know, there are the, 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 the documentary does comment on some things like Cloverfield paradox, where they're just like, this movie's great. You guys are going to, we got the new Cloverfield. You guys are going to totally like yeah. it. Like that, that's, I don't know if it's misadvertising because they're like promoting an opinion, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's shit. It's like shitty. Cause like, obviously that movie's is not yeah, good. And that's, like, we talked
1: about that on our Cloverfield yeah. po- paradox episode where yeah, I really was like, what the fuck's where going I on? talked <laughs> to you guys where I was like, I, I've been aware of this movie for a year now and it, keep it was originally supposed to be paramount and paramount dropped it and they didn't want to do it anymore and that's why netflix released it so that should be a uh, a sign a sign um yeah but also the uh discussing like the idea of like netflix like there's so much crap on there um it's what's wrong not... with you you know like yeah. you're mad because the thing that you're paying for has too many choices too many Things yeah. on it. This is another thing where it's like you look at phones and you look at you know th- there has never been there is never in the history of of, of movies short lived uh, existence been a better time than right now for watching movies. Theaters, yeah, they need to kind of step up and be able to make sure that that's something that continues. Uh, they need to. Evolve. But being able to yeah. watch movies,
0: you can rent any movie at all, a- a- any movie. Ever. Yeah. I mean, like, even Netflix alone, like, movies per dollar in that subscription. Yeah. Like, how many Get movies is it in. per dollar? Like, a thousand? Yeah. Like, I am not fucking yeah. know. Like, it's, it's insane. Crazy. And that's, you know,
1: yeah. there's a lot of crap on there. Oh, says who? Have you sure, watched it all? A, it just doesn't look good yeah. to you? Dude, people watch that. That's why they're made. Nobody makes even an $8 million dollar movie, even if it goes direct to DVD or Netflix and nobody fucking watches it. They
0: don't make it because they don't think anybody's going to watch it. That's because people watch it. And even, you know, three or four years removed from something like Cloverfield Paradox, like Netflix has a ton of really good original content. And that's a part of the shakeup is the fact that they're like, oh, no one's going to like buy Irishman. We'll show Irishman. No one's going to like, no one's trying to show Roma. We'll show Roma. And it's like, and, and you know, it's more important to these creators for the most part, these directors and these creators, it's more important for people to see their thing than it is for it to be distributed in a specific and way. And
1: see their thing in in the specific way that they want to make it. The The yeah. exhibition of it is kind of secondary. Like you should see it on a big screen. You should see it in a cinema. There's the allure, there's the romance of that. But at the end yeah. of the day, you know, uh, you know like Alfonso Cuaron says in that thing, he's just like, this should be seen in there. I think it's it, one of the biggest strategies in the world is that I didn't get to see Roma the first time in a movie theater. I was forced to watch it on my screen because it wasn't playing anywhere around me that I could get to in time. And it yeah. sucks. You know, that's never going to happen again. Cause now I own a movie theater room so I can just put whatever the sure. fuck I want on. There.
0: But even when it comes like, you know, you know, we would have loved, not to that I would ever show. do that. Also,
1: That I would never show anything at a movie theater that I have it licensed completely legally through the studio system. (laughs) But don't laugh. It's very serious. I would never you're gonna get me in trouble, Robbie. Do
0: not laugh at that. You got you got yourself in trouble. But even like something like Irishman, like we would have loved to be able to show that Mm -hmm. when it came out, but you know, it's it's
1: very hard to get There's there's
0: more there's more of there's more shaking up that needs to happen, but it's happening, you know, And, and the way that and I don't think that we're so in the in the apocalyptic future of where people like you know movie theaters don't exist and anything that's new just goes right to gets beamed right to your home. It's like I think we're like you know I think if you that's what we're seeing the model right now since like quarantine happened where it's like yeah you can pay a premium price you can pay twenty motherfucking dollars no candy comes with that movie and you get to watch it on your little TV. as many people as you want and you get to watch it for two days yeah. you want to do that that's mm-hmm. cool and you know I think that model can coexist. Not necessarily with movie theaters for the most part, but movie theaters going forward, it's like if you if the movie theater can give you that, you know, you go to our theater, twenty bucks gets you a, a decent amount of shit, you know.
1: Yeah, and that's you know that's the other thing with our movie theater with Story Screen and a lot of other independent theaters that I really love in the area, such as Upstate Downing Jacob Burns Center. The yeah. uh, popcorn's awesome. They've got really cool selections on candy and sodas um the people that work there are cool they're not they're not uh, the, like robots you know like and that's yeah. not saying anything about any other big branded chain i still go to those um and i will always we go don't to really those. you know
0: they don't like upsell i don't go to upstate and they're just like would you like to upgrade your yeah. shit yeah <laughs> and <laughs> like, that's you know, you know like that that's yeah, I yeah, that's I don't another like big thing with yeah. us
1: too or like me personally uh i know what i want and I'm going to yeah. create a business where people are going to be allowed to easily see what they can get. And they're going to tell us what they want. And the only time I'm ever going to make a, su- a suggestion on upgrading is if it's really going to be to their benefit, where it's like, sure. you know, you're doing this in this separate, like I'm the first guy that if someone gets a small popcorn and two drinks and a candy and they order them separately, I'm the first one to go, yo, that's a small combo. Uh, so if you get the small combo of that, you can save $3 and they're just like, yeah. And oh, it's not really, It's not like it really does. It us does not anything. do anything. No, yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's absolutely yeah. fine. And you know, and that's something that I think that people really see not only in our movie theater and other movie theaters of the same ilk, but just in businesses in general, people can read that shit on the wall. And that's why some, some yeah. businesses, you know, when this whole COVID-19 thing, some of them, some are not going to make it. Some are going to be, Undeserving. Some are going to be more deserving than others. Not that anyone actually deserves something like this. No. But, you know, there's, there's going to be reasons why some people don't make it out of it. And for some people, it's going to be due to the faults of our government and our culture and the world. And for some, it's going to be due to some just real big mistakes that they've made in the recent times right before this happened. In a lot of ways, like GameSpot, like you said, GameSpot,
0: GameStop game stop
1: are you sure
0: yes okay because you stop there for games
1: yeah but it's also the spot to get games
0: fuck <laughs> <laughs> shit um yeah final final thought in this in this winded mm-hmm. hot take uh is do you think any of these streaming services or otherwise can can get the lead on Netflix? Or you think Netflix, their runway is still pretty long? You think yeah. they're still, they, they got a pretty solid lead? I
1: think, um, you know, in the next uh, 10 to 15 years, everything is changing um, and certain things are going to stop, uh, just like Blockbuster did. Um, because they are going to be dinosaurs, they're going to be outdated. Uh, I also do believe that video rental stores will eventually come back, probably in the next like ten years or so. Uh, in the same way that vinyl came back, there's that personalization. Uh, it's the exact same reason that movie theaters will never go away. Um, it is a beloved pastime. It's it's fucking baseball for geeks. It's
0: well, even like you know the the directors and writers want. To be a movie, you know, like uh, what is it? Uh, Christopher Nolan wrote yeah. that really oh, lovely yeah. piece about kind of like, yo, like, we're not getting rid. Re- I don't want movie theaters to no. go away. Yeah. Like, I they're want not going to go away. To they're,
1: yeah. they're too big of an infrastructure. Uh, big chains will go away if they don't um, do two exactly. things. If they don't adapt and behave themselves, because uh, we've seen sure. some uh, big chains act very uh, childishly. Uh, because the studios are acting childishly. But you know, when yeah. when you're working with a child. Uh, you don't you don't respond to them by acting like them. That's not going to get anything done. Then you're just going to degrade and kind of this whole blockbuster Netflix thing. One side's going to win. Is it the one that deserved it? I don't know. That's all for hindsight to say. Uh, but at the end of the day, yeah. you need to be able to adapt. You need to be able to behave yourself and conduct yourself in a professional but also respectful manner. And you need to understand that at the end of the day, uh, if people would rather stay home and uh take in the product that you offer instead of going to your place and paying a little bit more for that product you suck at selling that product um and that's that is the uh very harsh reality of it uh movie yeah. theaters are kind of completely opposite than like restaurants and bars where it's like you know it's it's cheaper for someone to just stay in and drink alcohol or cook their food but With alcohol, it's not as much fun. Uh, It's way better when you have a bunch of people around you. With restaurants, it costs a little bit more, but now you don't have to make it. You don't have to go out and buy all that food. It's the convenience nature. And watching movies at home is now convenient, uh, is more convenient than going to a movie theater. And that's with this whole PVOD thing. If studios start releasing uh, first-run movies immediately on PVOD... That is going to destroy the movie theaters that aren't offering anything else besides the movie because then you can just get it right there and you can eat the candy that you like because the movie theater doesn't have that and you can eat popcorn the way that you like it because the movie theater popcorn sucks and you can watch it in the silence of your own living room because the movie theater lets people just use their cell phones and talk and be disrespectful. Our movie theater and other movie theaters that I like that are going to survive all of this as long as they adapt, behave themselves, and play it smart, they're going to be just Mm -hmm. fine because they're still offering all of the other stuff surrounding that studio's product that they just have on rent. They actually have something that they are selling for the $12
0: besides the movie. Yeah. True that. Well, we're not the only podcast on StoryScreen. StoryScreenBeacon.com is a host of many podcast articles and reviews, and uh, we also have a members-only subscription service. It's $5 a month. You get access to exclusive content uh, like exclusive podcasts where we talk about more niche uh, things like directors or uh, – right now, directors, that seems to be the main thing we're doing. Yeah. Or we're also doing uh, cool takes, which is like hot takes, but we do – it's more retrospective. We kind of tackle our backlog and talk about some some movies we haven't had a chance to hit and kind of using quarantine as a as a time to do that. Um, And we also have exclusive articles on there covering some cool stuff. I have a midnight gospel review uh, hitting the exclusive feed soon. So if you want to hear my thoughts on that really cool animated show, uh, you could just drop five bones and do that. But the other way to support us is to follow us on all of our social medias, uh, to go on our website and potentially spend some money there and buy a t-shirt or buy a mug or buy a tote bag, which are very cool. Um, But... At the end of the day, the main thing we want to have is engagement. So feel free to talk to us when we post things or otherwise set us up. We love talking about movies. We love talking about all that kind of stuff with you guys. Well, Birch doesn't, but but I'm okay
1: with it. Eh, I could take it or leave it. And... I got my feet back up. Um, uh, <laughs> there you go. He's chill. You, Yeah, He's, I he's I checked out. I told you out. that if I sat
0: up that this was going
1: to get heated
0: if i had just it didn't get heated it, a we, heat we, heat, it was a nice we brought up joker that's never a good conversation <laughs> no that's never good so, well that, that adds
1: another half hour to the podcast every time this is also probably the fourth podcast in a row i've recorded that has absolutely nothing to do with even the tangible idea of joker yet joker has
0: been brought up that's usually how i am with last jedi yeah. i'm just like i just gotta sneak it in there because it's my it's like one of my favorite yeah. movies so fuck off um so hopefully we didn't lose you guys by emitting our uh, hot takes on some controversial yeah. films. Uh but thank you guys so much for listening. Mike, thank you so much for joining uh, thank me. Thank you Robert. Always lovely to have
1: Always you. Always lovely to be here and talk to you and dunk on movies.
0: Dunk, dunk on, movie, on movies. Movies, movies you know, fucking suck. talk about how cool some movies are
1: even if people don't get them how, how
0: shit how shit movies yeah, are. Man. How like like oh. I know
1: everything about all the stuff, and no one else knows anything because everyone dumb. Em. I'm smart. I'm the smartest one. Like I, I'm supposed to be <laughs> humble and shit, so I don't say that. But like you know, whatever. Fuck you. You know, whoever's listening right now. No, I I'm
0: <laughs> fuck them. Yeah, fuck them. If this is your first episode
1: right. listening, yes, it's all like this. It oh, it sometimes it's worse. Sometimes it's worse.
0: Yeah, sometimes it's worse. We used to drink more on the podcast. That would kind true. of kind of ringed. Yeah,
1: now we're all trying to just sleep
0: yeah. and be able to get things yeah, done. True. Be a person. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks again for listening, Mike. Thank you for joining me, and we'll catch you all next time. Bye. 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 seconds of silence and then a countdown clap on after one five four three two one do you do you, you, you want banter you want banter right now I feel nah, like my face okay. looks very my face looks very different like hey it's me it's Robbie but then in the sun it's like oh a yeah grisly, you, a grizzly man yeah you cut kind of, you look very like uh Maliki Maliki
1: who's what does that mean Terence Malik He's, uh, he's a film director.
0: I've never, uh, I've never heard of <laughs> He films. made uh, Tree of Life. What's that? He, he had a movie about the Nazis. Yeah, Hidden Life. Yeah, I heard that. I haven't heard anything about that. I don't know if it's good or bad. It's great. Ooh, you watched it? Mm-hmm.
1: Terrence Malick is a really great director, but he's gone a little... Once he started kind of getting away um, from more narrative fare, uh, he started getting a little... A little too much. Some of it's still good. But uh, Hidden Life is his first kind of return since like uh, uh, the new world. Some would argue Tree of Life, not me, uh, to narrative form in films. Uh, uh, and it's it's very good. He's He's the type of guy that people that you don't like at bars that you always go to
0: want to talk to you about. Yeah, he seems like that. Yeah. Yeah, I Not haven't watched story. of Life but it seems pretentious uh,
1: that's my read on it too I know a lot of people that really like it and Terrence Malick's a great director so I'm sure it's uh, a lot of fun to watch that movie but it's one of the few movies, there's probably like 10 movies in my life that I've literally turned off <laughs> s- starting to watch them because I like to try and finish movies and give them their time of day so it takes a real special movie or a real special mood for me to be like you know shut what? it
0: off. You know what? No. Just rather not. Just rather not. Just rather not. Guess I don't know shit about movies. No, you definitely don't. You dumb.
1: All right, you're my dumb, my you're feet dumb
0: man. my feet are up. I'm ready for this. Cool. Positioning the mic, getting it nice and close to me. Yeah, it's going to be nice easy breezy one. Yeah. All right.